Good morning, everybody. I wonder if you can see anything. Do you remember these uh, pictures, magic eye pictures? You, you're supposed to stare at them and eventually you'll see an image appear. Can you see anything? I've never been able to um, see anything in them. It's been annoying, really, because I often find other people can see um, straight away. Seeing, fairly important, isn't it? And some of you will know I've had trouble seeing. Recently, I had an eye operation for a detached retina in my right eye. My left eye uh, vision is really poor, so the operation left me for the best part of two weeks unable to see very much. My family and friends kept asking, do you see anything? And in the first couple of days, I couldn't see anything at all. But as time passed, it passed, I gradually saw more and more, and I finally can see my sight was restored. A bit like the blind man at Bethsaida, his sight was restored in stages. Let's um, read that passage together. You can find it in Mark chapter 8, reading from verse 22. So Mark chapter 8, 22. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, don't even go into the village. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others still say one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for your word, the Bible. Please help us now as we look at it together to see more clearly. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The first eight chapters of Mark are really centred around that question of who is Jesus. Jesus has been going around, he's been doing amazing things, he's been saying and teaching amazing things, and we reach the climax of the, of the first half of Mark when Jesus asks the question, who do you say I am? And Peter answers, you are the Messiah. Messiah means the Christ the anointed one, the king. Right before this comes this healing of a a blind man. And it's unusual as it's the only time Jesus' power seemingly doesn't work first time. It's strange, but it's really important because Mark is helping us to understand what spiritual blindness is about. So let's first... um, consider why spiritual blindness affects us all. We need to understand that we're all spiritually blind. 
Last week, we began to see this, this spiritual blindness, in the disciples and in the religious leaders, as they didn't get what was going on, and they didn't get the feeding of the the 4,000. So we read in verse 17, Do you still not understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see? They didn't, you see, get the significance of who Jesus is. And so Mark puts this particular healing not just as another example of um, Jesus' power, but really as a parable about spiritual blindness. Look, Jesus heals the man to teach us something really important. He's firstly teaching us that spiritual blindness is is rather like a pandemic. It's, It's universal. And secondly, that none of us can really see Um, We can't see who Jesus is without external, supernatural, divine help. So we're all spiritually blind. And that means that we can't go around saying that this group over here are the blind ones and this group over here are the ones who see. The Bible tells us that we're all spiritually blind, whether we're the working class, the middle class, whether we're... inside society or feel like we're outside of it, whether we're rich or poor, moral or immoral. Um, Everybody is spiritually blind. And that's an amazing place of equality. And not only that, Jesus wants us to just see how deep it is in us. And when Jesus heals this man, it requires more than one touch. When my eyes were um, healing, I could see absolutely nothing. I could just see a kind of milky, yellowish blur. After about five days, I could just see over the top of my eyes and I could see the, the ceiling, but I couldn't really see much else. And I suppose seeing the ceiling was, was helpful in some way, but it, I was still effectively, in many ways, blind. So even when... Um, you and I become uh, Christians, and you see Jesus as the Messiah, it doesn't mean that our spiritual blindness is over. We, we still continue to, to grapple with it. Just as Peter um, makes his great profession of faith here, what do we read happens next to him? As Jesus explains that he must suffer, be rejected, and die and rise again. Look with me in verse 32. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. What does this um, mean for us? Well, we must, in a sense, never look down our noses um, at others who seem to believe less than us. Or we shouldn't get impatient with those who can't see what what seems really obvious to us. Um, Because what happens to us is that it's so easily fall into sort of saying, well, what an idiot, you can't see the wood for the, the trees. We mustn't do that. Because remember, we're expecting the impossible from them. Because we know that to see spiritually is actually a gift. It takes divine, supernatural help. The same help that helped you to see your own spiritual blindness. So to accuse somebody of, of not seeing and kind of being a, a pig idiot is just another form of spiritual blindness. So let's, let's be patient with one another 
Let's not get angry at other people uh, for not seeing what we can see. We're all spiritually blind and, and we'll continue to be unless Jesus opens our eyes to see. And to those who, who are watching who do have trouble believing in Jesus and trusting in him, being his follower it is important to remember being his follower is not um, like adopting a new way of life saying, you know, I I need to pray a little bit more or I need um, to read the Bible more uh, or I need to do this or I need to do that. No, being a follower of Jesus is about having your eyes open to seeing who Jesus is. And of course that will involve prayer. That will involve reading the Bible. But you need, we need Jesus to open our, our eyes. So Christianity is a relationship with a person. You have to go to him you have to say to him that, Jesus, I don't see you. I don't, I don't understand. I have doubts. Please open my eyes. It doesn't matter, in a sense, what else you do. Um, if you don't go to Jesus yeah, and ask him to open your eyes, you're not going to see. You'll still remain spiritually blind. In fact, as I think about it, I don't know anyone who's become a Christian who doesn't look back and say, you know, I thought I knew Jesus, but I didn't really see him. You know, I, I, I was actually blind. I, I'd heard lots about him. I'd read lots about him. I'd learnt lots. And then it became real because I really saw him. And it was like the scales of my eyes um, came off. So we're, that's the first important point. We're all spiritually blind and we need divine, supernatural um, help um, in order to see but secondly, I want us to see why we're so prone to this. What is the, the root of our spiritual blindness? So we pick it up again in verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, who do people say I am? And then in verse 29, he asked the disciples, who do you say I am? Now, if you were to ask one of the, the big religious leaders uh, of the centuries, like a Muhammad or a, a Buddha or a Confucius, if you were to ask them, who are you? They'd probably say something like, well, we're someone who uh, will point the way, point to a pathway to live and, and uh, show you some way to live. But if you were to ask Jesus, who um, are you? Jesus wouldn't say that. He would say, I am the Messiah. Uh, I am the anointed saviour and king. And how you relate to me is actually what matters. The disciples come to Jesus and they tell him that people say you're the John the Baptist, you're, you're a, you could be Elijah or one of the prophets. And that's like saying, you know, people think you're really great, Jesus. You know, you're, you're in the top five of the all-time greatest uh, one of the best. But you see, Jesus here pushes them um, a little bit more because he's not just a great man. He's not just one of the, the, the famous. He, he's the one who comes here to save you, to rescue you. He's the one who comes to live the life um, we should have lived, but will never live. Uh, he comes to die the death we ought to die for our sin and our rebellion. 
You see, in a way, it doesn't take supernatural divine help to believe that Jesus is one of the greats, you know, that he's somehow up there in the Hall of Fame. But it does take supernatural divine help to see that Jesus is the Messiah, as the saviour of the world, the Lord and and saviour of my life. It's worth us pondering now, why is that? And in a way, it's really simple. The reason we can't see that is because we don't want to see it. We don't want to see it. Because it means accepting the one thing we hate to admit, and that's what we are in need. We hate to admit the fact that we're not in charge, that we're actually totally helpless. Most of us um, will admit um, that we're not perfect, um, but uh, we know kind of what's right and wrong generally, and, and just a little bit of a help or a few pointers will, will, will help Jesus in me helping to be uh, what I need to be. But Christianity isn't like that. It's about, um, it's about our, our need of, a, of an absolute saviour. It's about coming to Jesus and saying, you know, I'm totally doomed to hell unless someone comes and saves me by an act of grace, an act of radical love, a gift. And most people find that really offensive. Maybe you find that offensive. Um, but the Bible um, tells us that if we do, we're actually in denial. We're in that spiritual blindness, and blind to the extent of our blindness. Um, you can think about it a bit like a, an addiction, um, if you think about someone who is coming to terms with alcoholic di- addiction, for example, they might say something like this, you know, I, I used to think that uh, I can handle my drink, I, I can manage it, I can work it out. But then I came to see that I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. And that when I began to do that, I saw my need and I admitted it uh, and I moved on. It's very interesting when you read the, uh, the Alcoholics Anonymous um, 12 steps. The, the first one is this. We admit we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. It's the same thing, isn't it? And then the second is this. We came to believe that, that a power greater than ourselves could restore our sanity. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, in a way, we're all addicted, saying, it's okay, Jesus, Um, I can handle it, I can manage um, my own life, thank you very much. Uh, And Jesus comes along and says, you know, I'm not just another great man. Uh, I am the Lord and Saviour of the universe. I've come to save your life. I'm the Lord, and without me, you have no hope. Without me, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Without me... Only sin and death remain and despair. Do you see anything? Do you see anything? Well, like an addict, we find this really hard to accept. The hardest thing to accept is that we have a need. We suppress that truth. We, we deny it. And the root of spiritual blindness can only be dealt with as we come to Jesus and say, you are the Christ my Saviour and my Lord. So that's the depth of our our blindness and and the reason, because we don't like to admit it. 
So how can we move forward positively? How can we see again correctly? Well, as I sat on my bed, um, waiting to have my eyesight um, restored after the operation, I I realized just how slow it all was and how frustrated I I got at the process. And uh, I wanted to get out of the house. I wanted to read. I desperately wanted to go running again. It was really frustrating. And it's interesting that Jesus here asked um, the blind man, do you see anything? And the man said, uh, looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Just for a moment, think, imagine what would have happened if the man had said to Jesus, well, of course I see. What a, uh, why are you asking? Everything is fine. And he just walked off. Just think how he'd walk around for the, the rest of his life, only seeing partially, mistaking people for trees. You can imagine how difficult that might be. He could bumping into them. Maybe he might cut the tree down. Maybe he'll cut people down and use them as firewood, so to speak. But the man admitted he still couldn't see. He admitted it. And in a way, um, what we see here is the man is dissatisfied. He only could see partially. Now, we have to be careful here. Um, it can be a dangerous thing to say to the Son of God that I'm dissatisfied. Excuse me, you, your healing hasn't worked. That could be a dangerous thing to say. Yet, yet the man comes back and says to Jesus, I still don't see. I, and so Jesus touches him again. Uh, and I think what we need to see here is that being dissatisfied at your level of, of spiritual insight is actually a good thing because it should make us hungry for, for growth. It should make us hungry to be able to, to see better. So we should be constantly kind of going back to Jesus, um, saying, I don't really get this. this. This thing's happened in my life. I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't see. Please help me to see and understand what's going on. You see, there is never a time this side of glory where we can say that we have 2020 um, sight, spiritual sight. We need to kind of keep going back to Jesus. So if you are wrestling and you're dissatisfied with your spiritual insight, it actually shows that God has already begun that work of helping you to see. For spiritual awakening is that gift. It requires that supernatural divine help. It requires the grace of God to open your eyes. But secondly, notice here um, that the healing here happens because of a community around the man. Verse 22, they, they came to Bethsaida. Some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. Think about how did the blind man get to to Jesus? How did he find Jesus? He was blind. He couldn't see. Uh, And uh, you rely on others, don't you, when you're blind? I remember when I couldn't see uh, because of my operation, um, Samuel had to to take me out for for walks and he found it quite hilarious. But you you see, you rely, don't you? You You need family, you need friends and brothers and sisters around you um, to help you and to walk with you to see Jesus. These people must 
have loved this man greatly um, because they begged Jesus to heal him. Did you note that? They, they begged him, they pleaded with Jesus that he might be healed. You see, we need a whole bunch of people around us um, to love us in this way, to be constantly praying for each other, to plead before God that we may have our eyes open to see God and to see Jesus and to see what's happening to us. Do we have that as a community, as a church? Finally, the the two-stage process of this man's healing two-stage process of this man's healing helps us to understand that we not only need to see who Jesus is, but we need to see why Jesus came. And you see that in verse 31. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. You see, we need not only to see who Jesus is, but we also need to see the cross. We need to see why he came. We need to see the cross. And what happens at the cross? Well, interestingly, in Mark chapter 15, it says this. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Darkness covered the whole land, complete, absolute darkness. And we can understand that both physically, but also spiritually. As Jesus at the cross was plunged into darkness, he was plunged into darkness in complete blindness, And we need to see, we need to understand why he did that. Because at the cross, Jesus is being subjected to darkness so that we could come out of our darkness and our spiritual blindness into the light so that we could see. For our blindness to be ended, Jesus was plunged into darkness. Do you see that? He did that out of love for us. He did that for me. He he did that for you. And so as we begin to think about who Jesus is, but also why Jesus came, and as we see that, that love for us, it makes us so kind of restless that we want to see Jesus more. We want to see, have our eyes spiritually open to see more of Jesus so that we can live for him, so that we can serve him, so we can tell others about him. And when that happens, our sight becomes, begins to become clear. And our hearts begin to rejoice. Our hearts begin to sing. Our hearts begin to sing things like that amazing hymn, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I'm blind, but now I see. Do you see anything? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for feeding us with your word this morning. We thank you that it's only you through your 
dear son, Jesus, who can open the eyes of the blind. Father, please forgive us for our self-sufficiency. Please work in our hearts by the power of your spirit to see, to see Jesus more clearly, to see his work on the cross for us. Thank you that he was willing to enter utter darkness of hell instead of us. And so we could see, so we could be healed, restored and changed. We pray, Father, that you will open our eyes. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.